Welcome back to the Rhizocast, where we expand into all things rhizomorphic in the human consciousness. We are a group of passionate, connected artists and creatives working across medium to inspire community among creators. We are an ad-free, independent magazine. We ship four volumes a year. On the summer solstice, the fall equinox, the winter solstice, and the spring equinox. Rhizo is short for rhizomorphic, meaning the interconnected strands of root-like growth that support the thriving of biodiversity and creativity. An aggregate of interconnection and reciprocal support, we are a collaborative community uplifting art and the gift of human expression. If you would like to subscribe to Rizo, you can do that at www.rizomagazine.com. And I'm your host, Sue Hunt. And if you would like to look more deeply into my work, you can find that at www.suehunt.com. Thank you for tuning back into the Rizocast this week. And let's get right into it. It's a joy to sit with you. It is good to be sitting with you this week. I'm going to do a solo cast. It's been a while since we've uploaded a Rizo cast. So I figured a very opportune moment here as we close out eclipse season for 2022 to discuss the Scorpio new moon solar eclipse happening tomorrow as well as a little bit about Scorpio since we just entered Scorpio season. So I put out an open call on my Instagram asking for questions about the eclipse and astrology questions in particular. And so I thought I would start there before I go into a deep dive around the eclipse window. And just a note to the listener, none of this is written or planned in any type of notes. I'm just really free flowing with it. And I have the chart open in front of me for the Scorpio solar eclipse tomorrow. And I haven't quite looked through it. So we're going to do that real time on this solo cast, Rhizocast. Okay, so I had a question actually from one of my clients who asked, this comes from my experience of how quickly we're able to go deep within the portals that you create. Could you describe a little bit about how you taught yourself astrology and just a 101 about astrology? Okay, so over the last six years, I taught myself astrology I actually have not taken any type of study program for it. I first got turned on to it by one of my teachers, Paramatma Siri Sadhana. And from there, I just started examining a chart every single day and in relationship to my own chart. But before I would look at the chart, I talk a little bit about this in transitory nature, and I give you an option to do that in chapter eight before I would actually look at the aspects or what sign was where, I would just take notes to myself, like, what does my inner meta dialogue say? How do I feel? 
I know a little bit about my chart and what's sort of like the essence of today, this week, this couple day period. And so I really just started honing my own particular language of what I felt in an embodied way. I think sometimes astrology can be so far out there, we can use it in a victimhood mentality, and we don't often bring it into our deep cellular structure of how we feel, how we process, and actually how to use the insight in an empowering way to shift the way that we perceive, right? So I wanted to actually start with deeply exploring my own perception before I put the lens of astrology on it. Um, I think it's wise to understand that before I was using astrology in sessions, I was already working with people in very deep transformative containers, really from the lens of yogic anatomy, Buddhist psychology, um, the chakra system, and really different yogic lineages I've previously studied. So I think the marriage here of often all the information I share about astrology is really out of the commercial astrology space and much more in the embodied understanding that a universe exists within you and within your chart. There is every single sign in the zodiac and they're all interacting in very unique ways. So I think that there is so much to explore through your own meta dialogue and your own meta attention. And that really helps actually start sharing astrology knowledge with other people because then you can tell the difference between the work that you're actually doing and then the actual message, the collective astrology that's occurring. Then it gets a lot more specific when we're looking at one person's stellar imprint in relationship to, you know, the astrology of the day, the month, the year, the nodes, whatever it may be. So you can see how there's very complex scaffolding happening here, but I think it's really clear to understand, you know, the difference between your own meta attention, your own meta dialogue, your own karma, and then really working with someone else's chart to not imprint your experience of astrology or the universe or energy flow and really learn how they perceive, how they use their chart. What are the higher octaves of human consciousness given from that stellar imprint? All right. So this is something that really just cultivated over time. Um, also really leaning into the fact that I do receive messages and have a deep sense of intuition, even though I really don't love that word. There is this intuitive efficiency that I can hear things and I can often hear them as I'm meditating on that person. And then I go and look in the chart for it. So I can see like, oh, I see this trine, this earth trine, this Scorpio placement, da, 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 da. And astrology has become so much more mainstream. You know, I think there's a moment for pause here to say thank you so much for all of the sort of outcasts and heretics that came before us to allow us to have these amazing conversations in public now and to really treat it as something that has, you know, it's a knowledge set that has infinite access essentially and it's so unique and it's so vast so those it can do those things simultaneously which I absolutely love okay 
let me go ahead and check the other questions that came through. And they're pretty broad, so I feel like they will appeal to many of us, which is nice. Okay, great. Tips to surrender and stay afloat during a storm or an eclipse. Okay, so they mean sort of metaphoric storm, like shit hits the fan, a lot's going on in your inner body, and tips to surrender. So I wrote this card in Sister Body Deck with um, my sister. We created that Oracle Deck, Tarot Deck together, and I was insistent on having a card on surrender. I think that in New Age spirituality, you know, that includes astrology, that includes yoga, and that includes just the wide range of wellness techniques that we've all become like extremely overloaded with and inundated with, especially in the social media space, uses the word surrender all of the time. And there is this essence of passivity in the way that it's used in sort of pop culture and new age pop culture. I think when you say tips to surrender when shit's hitting the fan and you're like, oh my God, how the fuck do I cope with this? is really helpful to say, you know, what's in my control and what's out of my control. I think we want to make sure that we're not surrendering to someone else's behavior outside of us or use, misusing that word in a way where we just say, you know, let go and love or we just accept this type of vibration around us all of the time or I'm working on being more open. There's a difference between, you know, um, deeply seated judgment and discernment. And so that the first step of discernment is literally like, what do I have control over and what do I not have control over? And once we get deeper into our own natal chart, we can really understand how much control, I don't love that word, but how much proficient scope of our own karma do we actually have? And that allows us to go, oh, is it me that's just having a lot of resistance here? Is it me that's confronting a traumatic edge here? Is it me that's misperceiving this situation in a particular way? Or do I need to ask the people around me to act with more integrity, to answer my needs? And in order for my needs to be answered, I have to be able to speak my needs. So I think it's valuable to, you really want to double check, like a sound test, like call out to your relationships and ask, can I be supported in this way, which will make you do some of your own inner work to be able to say like, I'm actually surrendering to my own inner work. And here's the container of integrity that I need around me in many of my relationships to help me do that. I think asking those around you what they need would also create a sense of surrender and safety. We really have to understand this sense of like safety and groundedness in the word surrender, but that's mostly coming from our own keen perception. So the tips I would offer are what's under my control, what's out of my control. If I feel powerless, which is something to really explore in Scorpio season, you know, what, where is that voice coming from? How often does it arise? And in what situations does it arise the most? And I, can I start having an open, loving conversation with it? Again, can I surrender to my own process of growth, my own 
process of transmutation, right? That would be a great place to start with the word surrender in a storm or in eclipse season. Okay, number two, how do you deal with strong emotions surrounding death, loss, and transition? Okay, very valuable question at the beginning of Scorpio season because Scorpio really rules the energy of birth, death, sex, transformation, and sustenance. So kind of the undercurrent of why we all incarnated in these human bodies. And I think for a really clean reference, I would refer you to chapter two of Transitory Nature, Breaking the Sick Well Binary. Um, it was very important to me that I had a series of really sort of modern, applicable, embodied rites of passage around death and around transition, around transition for your own personality aspects and around physical death for beings, animals, other humans in your immediate space. That's something to really work with rites of passage. And there's a sense of ritual there. And I outline that super clearly on, you know, maybe try this ritual with your child, try this ritual with your parents, get into this really intense conversation with your family unit um, to actually bring some levity around the idea of death. I think it's very tricky in our culture if you just, you know, sort of look at our healthcare, sick care model and all of the products that are thrown at us on a daily basis, there's this um, neglect for our transitory nature, the neglect for our aging bones, our aging cells, our aging minds, you know, and I think that there is a real hesitancy to go there. So if you can really take yourself to the edge of transition, you know, over and over again in your own inner body, there starts to become this familiarity with it almost and a sense of reverence, better yet, of change. I think that there is also a moment here to say just how beautiful and heavy the grieving process is because it brings up so many past versions of self it brings up fear of future versions of self and it brings up the versions of self that we were in relationship to those people places or things where those doors have closed or that soul has moved on and transitioned and we're still earth side and it's very confronting to our self-image. It's very second chakra reorienting um, Scorpio, a water sign, where we're really working with this fluidity of who we are and where we're going and what we have to leave behind because life has asked us to do that in a very real way. And, you know, I just had my Alaskan Malamute Nila of almost 10 years, my longest relationship to date, pass, and it just comes in waves. And I think you really want to set up really your time management in your daily life to say like, okay, when this wave of fatigue, when this wave of sadness, when this wave of separation arises, like I have the time and space to deal with it. I can say no to people around me. If I'm in the grocery store, I can just sob my way through every aisle and really hold my own container that there is no shame around the expression of how emotion wants to throw 
flow through you. That's really valuable because that that fluidity of birth, death, sex, transformation, scorpionic energy is so healing in itself. Sometimes we don't even need a tool or a technique or a journal prompt or meditation. Sometimes we don't even need that, but just literally feeling the embodied flow of grief, of separation, of loss is enough. And we have to make sure that we respect our process enough to make sure it has space to express. Okay, so tomorrow, October 25th, is a new moon in Scorpio. And the sun is in Scorpio, and it's also a solar eclipse in Scorpio. There's a conjunction with the moon and Venus, and Venus is also in Scorpio, and here we are in Scorpio season. Right, so I think it's a great baseline to understand that new moon is a gestation period of, oh my gosh, all of the ideas flow through me, impregnate me, give me life, give me creativity. I don't know when they actually are going to sort of take their shape out in the world, but I'm in full openness to receive is really new moon, dark of the moon space. And there's a really beautiful thing here with this much Scorpio energy and the conjunction with Venus and Scorpio that we actually are in a gestation period. It's really helping us close this eclipse season with um, extreme radiance if we can allow that magnetism to really be held in our own spiritual circuitry. Scorpio is so mysterious and so magnetic and it's almost kind of like, ooh, I got to have that. What is it? I need it in my life. It's very shiny. It's very attractive. It's very sensual. And so we're asking for all of those qualities to really imbue, one, who we are, two, how we feel about ourselves, and three, the creative ideas, projects, essence, essences that we put out into the world. Um, I think there's a big portal for beauty here because Venus ruled by Libra and Taurus um, with the Scorpio sitting in Venus conjunction the moon, like really go out of your way to say like, what do I find beautiful? Is it fabric? Is it shape? Is it colors? Is it art? Is it music? Is it sound? Is it ambient sound? Is it sense? Like been, I've been really into candles and incense lately, like really allowing sensual beauty to permeate your spiritual structure. That would be the most profound practice I could give for this particular new moon um, eclipse. I just want to back up for a moment here and remind us that all the eclipses in 2022 happened on a particular axis. They happened on the Taurus-Scorpio axis, and the zodiac is set up in polarities, so that when we're at the furthest end of that axis, we have almost warring aspects like they can really argue with each other or trump one another hence as we move closer to the center of the fulcrum and more into transcending our chart instead of being um, destined by our chart we find 
this sort of non-binary balance between the polarities and opposites collapse. So I think it's really valuable to understand the beauty aspects of Scorpio and the beauty aspects of Taurus. And we're seeing them closer to the fulcrum of how this polarity collapses into itself. So I think there is a sense with all of the eclipses happening on the Scorpio-Taurus axis that the general themes for the summer's eclipse season and this eclipse season are reevaluating our understanding of money, reevaluating our appreciation for land, reevaluating our understanding of time as currency, reevaluating our connection to nourishment. And that could be emotional on the Scorpio side of the spectrum, or that could be physical, like the garden in your backyard on the Taurus side of the spectrum. I think there is a radical newness that is birthed, like a new paradigm that is birthed out of Scorpio and Taurus, right? Taurus is this really um, radiant vision and respect for earth, which we are deeply lacking in many of our cultural and political systems. And Scorpio gives us that sort of fixed, intense energy to push through all of the bullshit, to push through all of the heaviness and say, I'm actually going to hold a new form on the other side of these eclipses. You know, there is a beautiful part of Scorpio that is just kind of the middle finger, like, I'm fucking doing it. So you're on board or you're not. And sometimes we need that level of conviction to actually use Taurus's higher vibrating aspects of beauty, vision, sustainability, and to hold that form in our cellular structure, to hold that form in our actions. There are a good amount of planets retrograde right now. So I think it's important to understand the tail end of eclipse season and then retrogrades that began October 2nd, right? And we, Vesta, Pluto, Juno, Saturn, Mars, Jupiter, all of that moving retrograde. And there's no pushing allowed here. Retrograde really acts, asks us to do the opposite, which is till the soils of our own heart and wait until we're ready to be fertilized. So we're doing a lot of inner work in the retrograde period. And in the eclipse period, it's like an exclamation point of, hey, you, hey, baby girl, hey, let's do some of this work that you have been um, neglecting. It's going to come up tenfold here right now. And instead of resisting, because that can cause a lot of friction in the eclipse portal, we want to create the sense of space that we are available for something that is our own ignorance that we're unaware of. I know that sounds a little counterintuitive, but to say like, I actually don't know, and I'm willing to have my eyes open to something I don't know about myself. I think that's really the heart posture of humility through an eclipse. This one's interesting because it's sun, solar eclipse, Scorpio, and new moon. So there is 
a big balance of solar and lunar energy coming together, which sometimes can sort of rock the boat in a pretty serious way. Scorpio is not gentle, right? We're not having gentle transformation during this time. It can be very rough, very jagged, very confronting. I think sometimes we need that confronting energy in our inner body to actually pay some fucking attention, you know, because I think it's very easy to sort of coast through our spiritual material world, this addiction to spiritual materialism, and not see the spiritual path as very confronting and very intense. It's not always joyous, and that actually is valuable. It gives us the full scope of who we are and to really transmute our own karma. And a lot of that work is very deep, very private, and very intense, which is being welcomed in by the Scorpio eclipse window. Okay, so in the Scorpio eclipse window, we have a Scorpio Libra stellium. So it's just Mercury and Libra. We got Venus and Scorpio, Midheaven Scorpio, Moon Scorpio, Sun Scorpio. So often I like to explore or say to my clients, a stellium is like this brick wall in the chart. Until we actually scale the wall, stand on top and have a better better vantage point, we're just going to keep banging our head against this particular thought pattern, this particular relationship structure that we keep putting into motion. Um, we keep regurgitating our own unprocessed trauma because sometimes it can be so hard to cope with. Right, Scorpio in particular is birth, death, and sex. I think taking the idea of sex just out of gender and uh, physical and intercourse and reproduction, you know, inside yogic anatomy, sex energy is prana. And so there is a, an understanding of how we're moving energy and where we're actually blocked because of our own ignorance or Sometimes it's not always because of our own ignorance. Sometimes it's because we haven't found the right puzzle piece situation that allows our skill set to shine. That is very important. We're like, oh yeah, we have a lot of awareness, but we haven't quite found the vehicle for which that can be of most service to ourselves or to the people around us. So with this particular Scorpio stellium inside the Scorpio eclipse window, Ask, ask people around you if they're okay. Ask how they're feeling in their body. Ask how you're feeling in their body. Ask if anything like difficult has come up from their past. You know, that could be sexual abuse. That could be a traumatic mother-daughter relationship. There's a lot of familial karma that comes up in the prana Scorpio space. And, you know, to be a stronghold is very valuable during these eclipse windows, one, for your own transformation of spirit, but two, really authentically, genuinely connecting and uplifting other people in their own process. Scorpio with death energies, it's kind of like the death doula, like allowing with your own personal transformation that other people around you have the same access to tell the truth to tell the truth no matter how inconvenient it may be, to tell the truth no matter how hurtful it may be, and to tell the truth no matter like how like self-image shattering it may be. So you see how they're like I like I'm moving my hands right now. I'm reaching out to imaginary people on my right and my left as if I could hold their hand. And be like, it's cool. You can say what you need. We're all here listening. Like 
it's okay if it's heavy, intense, big, and earth-shattering. So check in with your loved ones, check in with your friends in this particular window. Mommy-daddy stuff could come up, um, relationship, you know, unattended drama, trauma in relationship could certainly arise. And the last thing I'll say about that is it probably will not be solved inside the eclipse window. It's arising to be seen. There's a difference between seeing something and then immediately going into caretaker fixing mode. Scorpio energy, not into that. Scorpio energy is into being witnessed, not into being fixed. Okay, multiple planets square. Inside this eclipse window, we got multiple planets square between Pluto, Midheaven, Venus, Mercury, and Sun. So square, again, friction. And often Scorpio can appear as friction because we're not great at dealing with destructive emotions as a culture. Okay, and Mercury, Libra. So reduce the need to over communicate and over fix and redu reduce the need to take someone else's experience off their plate for them meaning there's no need to mitigate the emotional space with your own body mind relationship this has to be a fluid free expressive eclipse window with capricorn pluto right and new moon gestation in order for something to birth also something needs to die so usually you know this is just like a personal coping mechanism that i use when i start a big new project or i have a new idea that's starting to sort of emerge in the soils of my mind just its seedling i often say okay what would prevent me from seeing this all the way through in what way am I using my time or my energy in a frivolous way that wouldn't allow me to respect the creation process that I would need to be present for, for this thing to be a real reality? So with Capricorn Pluto, it could be great in the new moon window to also say, okay, what is being put to death in my own thought patterns, in my own time management, in my own money management, and in my own love management, if I could say it that way. You know, I think love is unconditional on one particular level. And then I think we have to understand that our energy is finite, even though love is unconditional. So how can I understand my finite energy and in which vehicles I'm delivering it through so that people around me can have the expression of conditionlessness? Mm, okay, so the water element dominant in the inner planets. So tears, big exhalations, a grounding asana practice, a really long walk, Right, water element needs to be soothed and it needs to sort of lay flat, get supine during this window, legs up the wall during this window. All right, that is pretty much everything I'm seeing in the chart tomorrow. Neptune retrograde, Uranus retrograde. 
I think last thing I'll leave us with is really valuable to look at some of our family karma, even if it feels deeply uncomfortable, and then how we are evolving our own family karma from the choices we're making on a daily basis. You know, I like to keep this ratio with myself. If if I'm on point 70% of the time, I'm feeling really um, aligned with that. I think there has to be a good amount of grace in this Scorpio window that we might say something we don't mean. We might allow our emotions to be unprocessed and percolating underneath the surface, and that's creating a misaligned motive, right? So we're we're really actually just like getting in with the shovel and we're sort of digging up our family karma and we're asking questions about our actions on a daily basis. And if we're evolving that understanding of sex energy, intimacy, um, space holding, transmutation, and if we can really be available for that. Okay, great. So that is it for the RizoCast today. And please share this with as many people as you can. It's free deep dive into the eclipse window. I will upload it today. So we have about 72 hours to really listen to it and examine in the eclipse window. I'll do another one a couple days prior to Taurus full moon lunar eclipse, which is the last eclipse of 2022 in the Scorpio Taurus axis. I will also open up my social media for more questions. And we'll go from there on the Rizocast. So I really appreciate your heart, your time, your attention, and just being here as we evolve this independent ad-free magazine and all the content offerings that we have around the actual hard copy of the magazine If you haven't subscribed, we would love to ship you winter solstice, and then that would put you all the way through fall equinox of next year. Four magazines arriving to your door, artists and creatives from all over the globe, um, artist features, movement features. We're just really excited to keep expanding the scope of Rhizo Magazine and all things rhizomorphic in the consciousness. So thank you so much for tuning in to the RhizoCast. I'm your host, Sue Hunt. You can find my work at suehunt.com. You can also find how to submit your own work to Rhizo at rhizomagazine.com. All right, thank you so much. Bye. www.rhizomagazine.com You can find Sue Hunt's work, your host, at www.suehunt.com We love bringing you these in-depth conversations. Please remember the suggestions of our guests and hosts are for informational purposes only and should not be taken as actionable advice. This podcast is a resource for general information, education, and artistic inspiration. RISO is not liable for your decisions to implement information from this podcast. 